So good morning. It snowed, in case you didn't notice. There will be winter this year in Erie. I wasn't sure. First, I would like to just look at some scripture found in Luke 3. Would you stand with me while we read this scripture together? Luke 3, verses 4 through 5. It says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. You can have a seat. So this particular passage is talking about John the Baptist. So John hears the word of the Lord, and it was written in the Old Testament, but it becomes alive to him in this moment. And it comes to him, I love how it says, in the wilderness. It says there's a voice of one calling in the wilderness. The word of God is not bound by wilderness. The the word of God never gets lost in the wilderness. I want you to hear that today because if you're here this morning and you would say, I am in the wilderness, the word of God will find you. The word of God will always supersede our circumstances, will always supersede our darkness and our hardship and our emotions, and the word of God will find us. And this is where the scripture says that the voice of one is calling in the wilderness. And John hears this voice, and it is clear and distinct, and it's articulate, and this is what it says, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And his mission, John says, his mission is to bring people who are far from God close to him, to prepare the way. In other words, to get your house ready. Many of you, uh, I don't know if you do this over Thanksgiving, but many traditions is you'll, you'll get your Christmas things out. You'll pack up all your fall things and you'll get your Christmas things out. How many of you decorate your Christmas tree over Thanksgiving weekend usually? How many of you have your Christmas tree up already? You're just <laughs> way in the season. You had it up in like, you know. October. All right. So we begin to prepare a house for the Lord. You have to get your, 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 prepare your house for Christmas. You have to get your baking things out and your decorations out and all these things because you're preparing your house. Well, in this scripture, John the Baptist is hearing the voice of the Lord say, listen, get your house ready. Not your external house, not the, the, the house that you live in physically, but your internal life. We talked about that last week. The inside of you, get your house ready. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying that to us this morning. Get your house ready, Erie First. Prepare the way for the Lord. Get your house ready. Get everything in line and everything in place so that when the Spirit of God comes, he can just come right in. He doesn't have to be a guest in our house. He can be the the best, the the most honored member. And he can begin to, to move in our lives in the way that we ask him to. There is this call from the throne of God. It's like... It's like an alarm sounding. And God is using John the Baptist to proclaim this message, to get your house ready because there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming. And if you want it, then you've got to get ready. That's what John the Baptist is saying. And I believe prophetically this morning that God is getting our house ready, that God is getting our house ready as a church, that God is getting our house ready as a city and as a community, and that if you allow him to, that God can get your inner house ready for the things that he's doing. And so John explains that he is preaching a baptism of repentance, and in fact, in, in those times, they would call it John's baptism. It was this baptism of, of repentance, a baptism of water. 
And John was baptizing people before Jesus ever came. He was telling people that in their hearts, the presence of God was going to dwell there, so they needed to get ready, to get rid of the clutter of sin, to get, ready, get rid of the, um, the distractions, to get rid of those things, to build strong families. It requires our house to get ready. If we want to accomplish the vision and the mission that God has given us to build strong families, then we must prepare the way of the Lord. And so that's what the scripture is saying this morning. And, and how do we do that? How do we prepare the way of the Lord? Well, I thought of three things, and they all start with R, so you can remember them. All right? They all start with R. Remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, and return. Okay, say that to the person next to you so that they remember. Remember, repent, and return. Those are three ways we can get our house ready. All right, so when you go home today and they say, what was church about today? You can tell them, remember, repent, and return. So in the Old Testament, we're going to start with remember. There are countless amounts of people that make a point to remember what God did for them. And it wasn't just like a, a little moment where they're like, let me just think of all the cool things that God did. They particularly made uh, something very specific so that they could remember what God did for them. And I want to bring us to Genesis 28, where Jacob is on the run. And he reaches, in verse 11, it says he reaches a certain place. And it's funny how the scripture is so vague about that. It doesn't give very much detail. In fact, it says, um, actually it's verse 11, so you can wait on that one. But it says that this place wasn't a religious site. It wasn't the top of a mountain or the edge of the sea or near a temple or a specific place where people often came in contact with God. Basically, Jacob falls asleep at a random spot along a random road. I know some of you have done that before, okay? <laughs> Let's be real. A random spot on a random road. And he has a dream. He pulls up a rock, actually, and he puts his head on it and falls asleep, which is kind of weird, but okay, maybe that was all that there was available. And he has this really intense dream. And God speaks to him, and he says, among other things, but I pulled this out, he says in verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And what God does here is amazing. Because at that time, people believed that, that, that gods only dwelled in religious sites, that, like temples or shrines or, or holy altars, that, that they had to have a specific place where they were, that you had to go to them in order to interact with them. But in this moment, God is breaking the whole paradigm of what people believed God to be. He is different. He just shows up in a rest area. He just shows up in a random spot on a random road, and he interacts with Jacob as if to say, I can speak to anybody, anywhere, anytime. That's the kind of God that I am. And I really believe that some of you this morning are here and, and you maybe feel like Jacob, that you're on a random spot on a random road. That your life isn't making a lot of sense right now. That, that nothing is significant. Maybe you're not in like the best place of your faith. Maybe you're just kind of prodding along. Maybe you feel like you're running from something or someone or some situation. But God can speak to you anytime, anywhere, any place. God can make any random moment of your life a significant moment. And I believe that he can say to you, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. 
and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And in that moment, Jacob takes the stone that he was sleeping on, and he marks the spot where God spoke to him. In fact, he builds it up. He builds up a couple stones, and he makes it sort of into a you know, a, a pillar of sorts. And he says, I'm going to name this place Bethel, which means the house of God. Bet means it's a Hebrew word for house, and El is one of the names for God. So he says, I'm going to name this Bethel. And so years pass, the scripture says, Jacob gets married, he starts a family, he, he reconciles with Esau, things are looking better, things are looking up, and he, he kind of has this moment where he, he takes his family back to the spot where he heard from God, to this random place on this random road, and all that's left there is a bunch of pile of rocks that people probably pass all the time and don't think it's anything important, but he comes up to that pile of rocks, and I can imagine if you were one of Jacob's kids, you, you might ha have sort of just arrived to the new land and, and your dad, all he can talk about is this pillar of rocks, you know, and you're thinking, what is the big deal? Uh, I, I just don't really understand why this is so important to you. Uh, you know, you're kind of talking crazy. I can imagine his children probably thinking, they're just rocks, dad. Like, okay, great, cool. You know, you're one fresh short of a happy meal. Like, just relax about this. It's just rocks. And Jacob is sitting there. And what's different about him with those rocks is he's remembering. He has brought himself back to the place where God was faithful. And those rocks represented the moment where God was gracious to his past and faithful to his future. Where God was gracious to his past and faithful to his future. And he held on to that moment for dear life. Where can you look back in your life? and build a proverbial tower of rocks? What, what moment can you look back on your life and say, wow, God in that random place at that random time, he was faithful to me. He was faithful to me and he will be faithful again. If I can remember the faithfulness of God, I can press forward when things are bad and hard and bleak. I can press forward when life isn't moving at the pace at which I expected. Look, there's that tower of rocks. I remember he was faithful. And if he was faithful one time, Gary, what can he do? He can do it again. Right. <laughs> if he's faithful one time, he can do those things again. And so this week, I want to encourage you, even right now, I pray that God is bringing to you moments and situations and random places on random roads and random times of your life where God was so faithful to you that you can't even shake that feeling and that you would use those times of remembering to look forward into the future, even if it feels a little bit bleak right now or a little bit random or a little bit dark. Because if God was faithful in the past and we can remember that, he will be faithful in the future. That is how you prepare the way of the Lord. That is how you prepare your heart for the presence of God. You get your house ready by remembering. And I want to encourage you this week, take some time to write some of those things down. Take some time to, to look back. Maybe some of you prayer journal. Maybe some of you, uh, you know, the whole like Facebook one-year anniversary remembering stuff, it kind of drives me bananas. But sometimes something pops up in there and I think, oh, this is true. Four years ago, I, I sat here with, in this brokenness and frustration, and now God has fixed that relationship, you know? Remember, take some moment of time this week 
And write down some things that you can remember the way that God has been faithful to you. And if you can't think of something, ask someone else. And then celebrate the faithfulness that God has been to to someone else. Because if God is faithful, he can do it again. So the first thing is to remember. The second one is to repent. Remember and repent. So in Luke 3, 5, let's go back to this scripture. It says, Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth. So to repent actually means to think differently. Or after you do something, to reconsider it. That's what repentance means. It is a call forward into the things of God. And so these verses mean that the mountains, it says uh, the mountains will be made low, that the mountains are the places where we promote self higher than Jesus. Where, where we begin to have pride, where we have mountains of selfishness, and we all have them. Mountains where we decide what we do is more important and more valuable than what God asks us to do. Some of us have taller mountains than others, but we all have some. And these mountains are the things that, that begin to grow higher than what God is asking us to do. And so the scripture says, the mountains in the hills must be made low. Get low. Our self must be made low. And so the scripture says when they take those mountains and they become low, that means repenting of the things that we are prideful of, the things that we are selfish, the things that when we snap and do things the way that we would want to instead of asking the Lord to help us with our reactions and with our decisions. It's so interesting to me because God wastes nothing. He is so amazing and incredible and wise. It is so interesting to me that God places John the Baptist in the Jordan Valley. That's where he's writing this. And did you know that the Jordan Valley is one of the lowest places in the whole world? And so John is penning this this scripture, remembering what Isaiah said, and the Lord begins his greatest work in the lowest place. True repentance requires a lowering of our soul. We talked about our soul last week, our inner life, the thing that connects with God, the lowering of that. And for those of us who serve and bend down low, you are being prepared for his presence. You are getting your house ready for God's presence. We went through those people that went through foundations class, one of the entire weeks, we talk about serving. And, and, and sometimes, you know, people process that as like, okay, you just need help, so you're guilting us into it. <laughs> no, we need help, but we're not guilting you into it. Here's the deal. When you serve, you prepare your house for the Lord. And we want to help you prepare your house for the Lord. When you make things low, when you give up the biggest piece of the pie, when you stop worrying about who notices you, you are bending down low. When you do something amazing and no one says thank you, but you're still okay with it, you are bringing those mountains low and you are clearing the path and preparing the way of the Lord. And that humility and lowliness will come with repentance with confession, with a soft and pliable heart that Jesus himself can speak to. So in John's time, the people prepared their hearts for Jesus by repenting of their ways and taking on God's ways. And this was a great and humbling repentance of sin, which made them ready for what God was about to unleash on the earth. And I believe that repentance will be something that will be very key 
to usher in the presence of God. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to sit around and think about our sin a lot of the time. We don't want to share it with each other. But repentance brings a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit because it makes the mountains and hills low. And we begin to see and understand the way that God wants us to operate, and that brings preparation. It gets our house ready. So we have to remember, we have to repent, and lastly, we have to return. Remember, repent, and return. So verse 5 talks about the crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, in verse 6, and all people will see God's salvation. So that word way actually means a road. It means a a progress, okay? So we must level the way, the road, the progress of our inner life and remove all that impedes a clear path for sovereignty in our lives. We must look at the things in our life that keeps us from entering into the presence of God and we have to remove that. I, I love, in other words, it means this, Make room for God in your life so that he can show up and show off, (laughs) right? Make room for God in your life so that when he comes in, he can show up and he can use you in such a mighty way in ways that you never dreamed that he could. He can show off his anointing and his gifts and the things that he wants to use to bring other people into his salvation. The whole point of making the valleys filled in and the mountains made low and the crooked roads straight and the rough ways smooth, the whole point, is so that all people will see God's salvation. That's why he's doing these things. So that all people will see God's salvation. God, by his grace, can make straight what sin has made crooked. God, in his grace, can make our paths straight. And so that word, return, actually implies tracing back along a path that was already traveled. That Jesus already made a way. You know, Jesus already traveled the path. And God, in his unconditional commitment and covenant to us, by the blood of Jesus, he marked out the path. He sent his one and only son, and he died on a cross for you, and he died on a cross for me, and his shed blood bridged the gap between our sin and him. And because of that truth today, we can live forever in eternity with him. The presence of God can be upon us, and and when we die, we can go to heaven and live in his presence forever. And he does his part. He already marked out the path. I I love so much that that Jesus said, you don't have to figure out a way to get to heaven. You, You don't have to spend your whole life pioneering the path and working really hard at getting everything together. The entire part of this relationship between you and Jesus is simply to return. That's it. It's one step. Just to return. To receive what God has already accomplished for you. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're here and you have never received Jesus as your personal Savior and King, I want you to know that he has done all the work. He's done it all. He did it all. There's nothing left for you to do. All you have to do is receive the work that he already did. All you have to do is trace back the path that Jesus created for us and return to him. Don't let what's wrong in your life keep you from celebrating what's right with God. So get your house ready. If you have never decided to follow the path of Jesus, return to him. 
Even if you've never been there before, it's still returning because God already created the path. So remember, repent, and return. If you came today to get baptized and, and, and you're already ready, you can go on out and, and get prepared outside these doors and get ready to, to get baptized. The band can come up and get ready. So we are going to just take the remainder of our service to celebrate those who have said, I'm remembering what God did in my life. I'm repenting of the sin in my life, and therefore I'm returning. I am walking the path that has been marked out for me. And it's so interesting in the scripture because John the Baptist, he's saying this, he prepares the way. That, that's the whole title of this, this whole chapter. And shortly after, Jesus shows up and gets baptized by John. Now, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized for the repentance of sin because Jesus didn't have any sin but Jesus is saying that I'm going to do this as an example to the people that are coming for, for all time behind me. And so we do baptism because Jesus did it. We do it because Jesus did it. And we do it because baptism prepares our heart. It prepares the way. It gets our house ready. In the scripture, Jesus told us that the next step after we believe is to be baptized. So we do baptism in obedience to that. And I believe that with every step of obedience, there's a blessing. That's what the scripture says. There's blessing in obedience. So those of you that are going to watch this morning and celebrate uh, with your friends and with these people that maybe you don't even know with this amazing decision, you also have an opportunity to receive a blessing. Because as a community of faith, we are being obedient to what God tells us to do. And with obedience, there's a blessing. And so Jesus himself, like I said, accepted baptism from John. And, and it actually says that Jesus' disciples picked up John's practice and they baptized people. And the scripture says in Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so in just a few minutes when these friends get in the tank, what we're gonna say is now, because of your belief in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then they're gonna come up out of the water. And we're gonna do that because that's what the scripture tells us the disciples did. And in that obedience, there will be a blessing. You know, we also do baptism to symbolize the death of things. So the people will go under the water to symbolize the death of things. And this is in remembrance of when Jesus died on the cross for our sin. It's the symbol of death of our old life. It, it, it's a symbol of death to the life that drags us down, that keeps us bound up in anxiety and insecurity and darkness. It's, it's the symbol of the things that don't please God, that they're dead, that the idols and the unbelief and the rebellion, that all of those things don't identify with Team Jesus. All of those things are things that we work our whole lives to put to death. And as each person gets dunked under the water, and as you watch, don't just watch and say, oh, it's fun, good, good day, okay? Because here's the deal, every single time that someone gets dunked under that water, I wanna challenge you to remember the things that Jesus put to death in your life. Would you repent of the things that you're still holding on to, the actions, the attitudes that are keeping you far from God? 
And in that moment, would you commit to return to dying to the things that keep us from God, to identify with the fact that, that we will remember and repent and return, that we'll get our house ready. So every time someone goes under that water, would you check your spirit? God, what is it inside of me that needs to die so I can be more like you? What is it that's in me that I need to, to make sure goes away, that I need to repent of and change this week so that I, my, my life will be prepared for the house of the Lord, for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? And then we usually don't keep them under there too long, just enough to scare them, just kidding. When they come out, when they come up, we do baptism to symbolize new life. This is a dramatic display of how Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day, whole and healed and new, right? And resurrected. And in our baptism through what Jesus did, we are new. We aren't just better people after we believe in Jesus, we're new people. A new you comes up out of the water. The old has gone, the scripture says, the new has come, and you don't have to live like you are anymore. You don't have to fight the same fears or wrestle with the same issues. You can walk in freedom and newness because of the way that Jesus rose from the grave. And I pray that with every baptism this morning, that God would remind you that you maybe were once lost, but now you're found that God would remind you of the new life that you live, that you were once blind, but now you see. That God would remind you of the new life, that you would remember what life used to be. And if you're a believer in Jesus now, of the things that he has changed, the way he has made you new. And today I believe that as these people are declaring that they are now team Jesus, that Jesus has always been team us. That he has always been the one trying to, to chase us with his love. That he has always been the one wanting us to remember and repent and return to him. And so if you came today, but you didn't plan on being baptized, uh, but maybe after listening and understanding and committing your life to Jesus, deciding in your heart that you want to follow Jesus, I brought some extra towels. <laughs> because today could be the day that you decide that you have put your heart, you've set your heart on Jesus, you have asked for forgiveness, he has cleansed you from all your sin, the next step, the next obedient step is to be baptized. Now don't go all crazy on me and be like, well, I'm not wearing the right clothes and I don't have this and it's cold outside and you know what, just stop doing that. If you want to get baptized today and you didn't come prepared. I want you to go out, out these doors. They have all kinds of stuff for you. They've got toothbrushes and hair dryers and shirts and anything that you need to get ready. And just join the crowd out there. They'll, they'll talk you through it. They'll take your information. But as a family of God, as a church, we need to get our house ready. And we're going to do that this morning by remembering and by repenting and by returning. So would you stand up? We're about to go into worship. We're gonna worship through all of these baptisms. And I wanna just encourage you, I wanna recap last week, just to remind you if you forgot that worship has nothing to do with you, that, that you need to worship past your feelings, whether you had a good week or a bad week, or, a, or, or maybe you're here and, and things 
maybe you're here for the first time, maybe things feel differently than they do, you need to worship past your feelings. You need to worship past form, whether you like these songs or don't like these songs or know these songs or think we should sing a different song. Worship past the form. And, and you need to worship to build this family. I'm gonna encourage you to lead the way. If you are here this morning and you are part of the family, lead the way in worship. You know, last week, I felt like we had such a breakthrough. It was such, a, such an amazing time. But you know what? We didn't do anything different. We didn't do anything different. We planned the set the same way. You know what happened? The people of God responded to his spirit. That's what happened. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to pull your weight, to, to bring usher in the Holy Spirit, prepare the way of the Lord in your heart this morning. And I want you to worship through and respond to God. He is here. His presence is here as thick as he was last week. So would you move from your seat? Would you take another step toward him, whatever that means, not just a few inches in the pew? Would you take another step toward him, whatever that means for you? And would you celebrate with us what God is doing to prepare the way of the Lord in this community of faith? We are so excited. So let me pray and we're gonna get started today. Jesus, I thank you. God, I thank you that even as we stand here, I'm remembering the faithfulness of God, that I'm remembering the things that you have brought me through, that I'm remembering that your faithfulness in the past will, will happen again, Lord, that you can do it again, that if you were faithful before, you can be faithful again. And so I ask God that you would bring to mind to each of us the way that you have been faithful and God, we can hang on to that for dear life. And Jesus, I, I come before you as a, as a body of believers and we repent for the things that we have done that have not followed you. God, the things that we have done that have hurt your heart, the attitudes that we carry, the, the, the mountains of pride that we refuse to lay low, God, I pray that you would humble us this morning in a way that's so significant, God, that you would make our crooked paths straight, that you would drop into our minds and our hearts ways that we need to begin to become more holy, actions or attitudes, Lord, that we have and that we feel. Would you make us a people that love what you love and hate what you hate and honor you in a way that is so radical that we could never be confused for followers of Jesus. And Lord, would you help us return to you? Help us return to you in every area of our life. And God, as we, as we do baptism this morning, we celebrate what you've done in the lives of these people. And God, we worship, Lord, because you're worthy and we respond to your Holy Spirit. God, would you bring an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to us? God, we prepare our hearts. We get our house ready. Jesus, we wanna prepare the way of the Lord. And it's in your name I pray.